السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي ربنا زدنا علما lesson number 42 verse number 29 okay قل ان تخفوا ما في صدوركم او تبدوه يعلمه الله سي that if you were to conceal what is in your heart or you reveal it you let it be known then who knows about it allah knows about it qul who is being told over here who is being addressed the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that oh prophet you tell the people you ask them that in if tukhfu tukhfu is from the root letters kha fa ya from the word khafi ikhfa and what does ikhfa mean to hide to conceal something so if you were to hide if you were to conceal ma that which fi sudurikum in your chest sudur is a plural of sadr and sadr is the chest of a person what is sadr the chest now what is inside the chest that is of significance importance what is inside the chest the heart right so what is meant by that which is in the chest is basically that which the heart keeps within itself what does it refer to that which the heart keeps inside itself that which the heart conceals now what is it that the heart conceals what is it that the heart keeps what feelings emotions intention thought what else does your heart keep secrets okay sins knowledge information right knowledge of something whether it is of your actions something you saw something you've realized something you felt something you have learned so all that is where in the heart and it could be good and it could also be bad it could be happiness it could be sadness isn't it so so there are different things that the heart keeps within itself allah says that whether you hide what is in your chest meaning in your heart atubduhu or you reveal it you let it be known to bdu is from the root letter is badal wow and ibda is to expose to reveal to make something manifest to show so whether you keep it in or you let it out whether you hide it or you let it be known does that happen with you are there some things you keep in your heart and others that you let other people know about do you there are times when you are very happy and there's a big smile on your face and everybody knows you're happy right and there are times when you are sad in your heart but still you put a smile on your face you don't want other people to find out that you are sad that you're upset isn't it so so you will do that sometimes we let our emotions our feelings our knowledge the information that we have whatever we know we let it out and other times we keep it bottled up inside right but what does allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say whether you show it or you hide it ya'lamullah allah knows about it allah knows it whether you show it or you hide it you keep it or you tell others about it who knows allah knows everything that is in your heart and he knew it even before your heart was created why because allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows about what is and what will be so even before we were created allah knew about what we were going to feel what we were going to believe what we were going to think what we were going to desire So it's the same for Allah. We have learned earlier in Surah Al-Baqarah that in tubdu ma fi anfusikum aw tukhfuhu yuhasibkum bihi Allah. Allah can call you to account for it. So Allah knows. Wa ya'lamu an he knows ma fi as-samawat whatever that is in the heavens wa ma fi al-ard and whatever that is in the earth. Whether something is in the skies or it is in the earth, who knows? Allah knows. So where are we? Either we're walking on the earth or we're flying an airplane in the sky, so it doesn't matter. 
or we're sailing on a ship, wherever we are in this earth. When we are in this earth, then who knows us inside out? Allah knows us inside out. وَيَعْلَمُ مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ وَاللَّهُ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ And Allah is over everything capable, qadir. The ayah ends with the mention of the qudra of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is qudra? Qaf dalwa. Ability, capability, competence. So Allah is fully able, fully competent to do whatever He wants. Why do you think the verse ends with the mention of Allah's qudra? What's the connection between His knowledge and ability over here? He knows and then He can do whatever He wants. When he's able to do everything, he's able to know everything as well. He's able to find out about something as well. You know, there, there are some things that we know of, right? And we let everybody know about it. Like for example, we just put it on our wall. Or we tweet it. Who finds out about it? The whole world finds out about it. And there are other things that we keep hidden and secret in our email or in our phone. And it is password protected. Nobody can break in. Nobody can get through and get that information. Nobody can. But for Allah, it is very easy because He is Qadir. He is fully capable of accessing all of your information, all of your knowledge, everything that you hide or you show. He is Qadir. And you see, when Allah knows everything, what you feel, when Allah knows, then... What does it mean by that? That Allah knows. What's the purpose of Him knowing about us? That He can call us to account for it. He can punish us for it. So Allah warns us at the end that He is capable. He knows and He can punish you. He knows and He can question you. Now it happens sometimes that... For example, our parents or family or teachers or whoever, they find out about something, for example, shouldn't be doing. For example, you may have heard of such stories at school. But are parents always able to punish their children? No. For example, the father says, you better pull down that Facebook account of yours. I don't like it. The father says, take off all your pictures. I don't like it. He says, okay. What do you do? You give him limited access to your Facebook. So he doesn't even find out what you do. Do you see what I mean? People do that, right? They will give, I don't know what it is called, but full access or limited access. Is that what it's called? You have different levels of friends, right? Is it? I don't use Facebook, so I don't know. Can you tell me? How does it work? Privacy settings. Right? So some people are able to see more of what you put there, and other people are able to see less of what you put there. Right? So for example, the father gives a warning, the mother gives a warning. And you say, yeah, yeah, of course, I listen to you. And you give them limited access so they don't even see anything. So are they able to execute their punishment or whatever? They're not able to. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He knows us, is He able to hold us accountable? Yes. So at the end of the day, what does this teach us? That we should not Keep secret or disclose anything that Allah does not approve of. That Allah does not like. Because at the end of the day, who should be happy with us? Allah should be happy with us. Who hides, keeps secrets? The one who is afraid. Isn't it so? And who goes on showing everything, telling everybody about everything? The one who is confident. I don't care. I don't care what the whole world says. I don't care what my parents say. I don't care what the teacher says. I don't care what so-and-so thinks of me. Who cares? So the person is confident. Right? But we see that before Allah, it doesn't matter whether we are afraid or we are very bold and confident. Because Allah still knows. And He knows and He is capable. He is fully able to execute His punishment. وَاللَّهُ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ in a hadith Qudsi, we learn that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنِّي عَلَى مَا أَشَاءُ قَادِرٍ In Sahih Muslim, this is reported that Allah says, that I am able to do whatever I want. I am able to do whatever I want. إِنِّي عَلَى مَا أَشَاءُ قَادِرٌ So, 
If he wants to punish someone, it's easy for him. If he wants to hold someone accountable, it's very much possible for him. So what do we learn in this ayah? Listen to the recitation carefully and reflect. قُلْ مَا فِي صُدُورِكُمْ أَوْ تُبْدُوهُ يَعْلَمْهُ اللَّهُ وَيَعْلَمُ مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ وَاللَّهُ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٌ So what do we learn? That Allah knows everything. إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَخْفَى عَلَيْهِ شَيْءٌ فِي الْأَرْضِ in Surah Ali Imran, we have learned this already, right? That nothing is hidden from Allah, whether it is in the sky or the earth. We are not hidden, our feelings are not hidden, our passwords are not hidden, nothing is hidden from Allah. He knows. And sometimes it happens that you know that someone knows, but still you don't care. Does it happen? Does it happen? You may know some people that they're doing bad things and their parents know, but they still don't care. Do you know about such people? Have you heard of such stories? But can we have such an attitude with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Can we have such an attitude with Allah? That I know Allah knows I'm doing something wrong, but I don't care. Can we have that attitude? Seems like we can. There's no response from you. Can we have such an attitude? No, we can't. Why? Because... He is capable of punishing. He is fully able to punish us. And punish us most severely. You know in a hadith we learn that once the Prophet ﷺ, he passed by an orchard, a garden. And he was made to hear the sounds of two people who were being punished in their graves. This is not something that we hear Ordinarily, nor could the Prophet ﷺ hear this all the time. On that occasion, the Prophet ﷺ was made to hear the two individuals being punished in their graves, the screaming, and so on and so forth. And the Prophet ﷺ said that these two individuals are being punished, and they're not being punished for something that is very great, for something that is very difficult. And then he said that, yes, they are being punished for something severe. And what was the crime? One of them is being punished because he did not protect himself from the splashes of urine when using the toilet. And the other one used to walk about spreading backbiting amongst people in order to create fasad. Now, the first individual who was being punished, why? Because he did not protect himself from the splashes of urine. Who knows? whether urine is splashing on your body or not. Sometimes we're so careless that even we don't find out. Does your mom know? Does your dad know? Does anyone know? No. Who knows? Something so hidden, something so secret, who knows about it? Allah knows about it. And if we are not careful in this regard, look at the consequences. Allah is able to do anything. The person is being punished in the grave forever until the day of judgment, that punishment is there. So can we have such an attitude? Yeah, I know, Allah knows. But doesn't matter. Who cares? We can't have such an attitude. Because in Allah ala kulli shayin qadir, He is capable. So this is why we should be afraid of Him. We are alone or we are in front of people. Whether it is something to do with the washroom or something to do with the eating or something to do with dressing up or something to do with salah, with wudu, we have to be careful. We have to fear Allah in every matter, in every regard. Because He knows us like nobody else knows. And He will question us if He wants like nobody can question. And He can punish the way nobody can. إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَىٰ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٌ That there is a video of Shaykh Hudayfi, a reciter of the Qur'an, one of the imams at Masjid al-Nabwi, the Masjid of the Prophet ﷺ in Medina, where he was about to lead the prayer. And imagine it's going live on television. Thousands of people are praying behind him. And all of a sudden, he just walked off. He did wudu and he came back. Imagine if anybody else is there, they'll be like, no, it's so embarrassing. Come on. How can I let everybody know that I just lost my wudu? Everybody will find out and it's kind of embarrassing. So it doesn't matter. 
Who knows? Who knows? Allah knows. Can we run away from Him? No. Can we avoid Him? No. Can we hide from Him? Never. So He knows us inside out, in secret and private and open, and He's able to punish. So fear Him and fix yourself in every matter of life, private or public. Now, one of the lessons that we learn in this verse is the obligation of telling people about the fact that Allah knows what we keep in our hearts and what we reveal. Where do we learn that from? Allah says, قُلْ Say, meaning tell the people, O Prophet ﷺ. So what is our obligation? Should we tell children? Should we tell people who are around us? Should we remind ourselves of this fact? That Allah knows what I hide and what I show? Is it important? Yes. What do we do typically? We tell people, I'm watching you. I know your password. I have access. I know this. I know that. You can't hide from me. But does that reform a person fully? No. What is it that reforms a person? The fear of who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is why many young people, they say, what's the point? If I'm wearing hijab for my mother, what's the point? I want to do it for Allah. Isn't it? Because we're doing what we're doing out of fear of our parents or our elders. Correct? We should be doing it out of fear of who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's very, very important to tell people that Allah knows and make people realize this as well. We either instill the fear of ourselves in people who are under us, like children or students or whoever, or we instill the fear of other people. Look, she's watching. He's watching. What will they say? Has anybody said that to you? I'm sure many times. Everybody's watching. Sit properly. Everybody's watching. Everybody's listening. Don't say that. But before people listen, who listens? Allah. Before people see, who sees? Allah. So instill the fear of who? Allah. Not yourself, not other people. Another very important lesson we learn in this ayah is that we need to, that once we realize and believe in this fact that Allah knows what we keep in our hearts and what we show, then we should become very careful about what we keep in our hearts and what we show. We should become very careful. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَيُحَذِّرُكُمُ اللَّهُ Allah warns you against Himself. That fear Him. So fix yourself, because you can't hide from Him. And when a person has faith in this reality, that Allah knows what I keep and what I show, then two things must happen. And what are they? First of all, الْهُرُوب مِمْ مَعْصِيَةِ Running away from disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That a person must not disobey Allah. Whenever there is an opportunity to disobey Him, what should a person do? Avoid it. Get away from it as if it is fire. Such a person who believes in the fact that Allah knows everything should not be found doing what Allah does not approve of. Do you see what I mean? If you believe in the fact that Allah knows you, Allah knows everything, then should you be found doing something that Allah does not approve of? No. Because if a person is found doing something that Allah does not approve of, then what does it mean? He doesn't know that Allah knows him, or he doesn't care. He doesn't believe in it. So if we believe, then we should run away from disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second thing that must happen is that الرَّغْبَ فِي طَاعَةِ Inclination, desire, yearning to obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That a person should obey Allah even more. Because then a person knows, believes in the fact that Allah knows that I had this opportunity to do this good, so I should not miss it. Wherever there is a chance to do good, then a person should hasten towards it. Because he believes that Allah is watching me, that Allah knows me. Another very important thing that we learn in this ayah is that the heart is not just a piece of flesh that pumps blood. But rather, the heart 
is a piece of flesh that contains something intangible as well. And what is that? The example that you gave me earlier, intention, desire, right? Good, evil, feelings, emotions, information. All of this is contained where? In the heart. But what do we think? That it's only a piece of flesh that pumps blood. No. In the Qur'an, in so many places this is mentioned, that Allah knows what is in the heart. So many times this is mentioned, directly, indirectly, in different ways. Allah says in the Qur'an, فَإِنَّهَا لَا تَعْمَ الْأَبْصَارِ وَلَكِنْ تَعْمَ الْقُلُوبُ الَّتِي فِي الصُّدُورِ That it is not the eyes that become blind, but rather it is the heart which is in the chest that becomes blind. That does not function properly because of which a person sins. There are many verses that mention this reality. There is a book by Ibn Qayyim and that book is called Tibbul Qulub. What does Tib mean? Tib. Not Tazkiyah. Tazkiyah is purification. Tib. That's Shifa. Doctor. <laughs> okay. You're close. Yes. Treatment. Medicine. Okay. So the medicine, the science, the treatment of the hearts. Tibbul Qulub. And in this book, he mentions that the heart is the malik. The heart is the king. And the rest of the limbs of the body, whether it is the hands or the eyes or the tongue or the ears or the feet, any part of the body, any limb, lungs, everything is, you can say, the army, the servants of that heart. Because the heart is the king. What does a king do? Instructs, commands, and what do the armies do? They obey, they follow. The king says, do it. Even if the armies do not agree, they still have to obey. Once there was a person who was telling me that they have a relative who is in the army. Not here, not the US, somewhere else in the world. Okay. And the government of that particular country was, you know, it had its problems like many governments do. So she asked him that, how can you be in the army and just obey the president and do whatever they say? How can you do that? Don't you have some morality, some kind of decency? Like, how can you obey? How can you do whatever they're telling you to do? They said that we, as people who work in the army, we don't have a choice. We don't have a choice. We have to obey the government. We have to listen to them, whatever they say, whether we agree or we disagree. We have to give them our full support because that's what we do. So, whether the limbs want to do something or not, whatever the heart commands, what will happen? The limbs will follow. Ibn Qayyim says that the heart is the mushaghil. Mushaghil, meaning the one that keeps occupied. What? All of the tools of the body. Meaning if the body is busy in doing something, the hands are busy doing something, the ears are busy listening to something, then why is the body doing what it's doing? Because the heart is telling it to do it. It is the mustakhdim, the one who subjugates, the one who puts to service the entire body. The heart puts the entire body to service while it is surrounded by all of the limbs of the body positioned in the center. And isn't that so? Even physically, if you think about it, the heart is surrounded. You know, in the back, there is a backbone. In front of it is the chest, right? On the sides, up and down. It's surrounded completely. And it controls the entire body. Is that true physically? Is that true in the physical sense? Yes. Because the heart pumps blood and that blood goes through the entire body. Your brain, your eyes, your ears, your everything is connected to the heart. So this is true in the physical sense as well as the spiritual sense. The heart is what controls the body. He says that the heart is the most precious limb, the most noble limb of the body, or you can say the piece of flesh of the body that's of utmost importance. Because it is the source of life. Isn't it so? It is the source of life. If the heart is functioning, if the heart is alive, then the rest of the body, is it going to be alive? Is it going to function? Yes. And if the heart is dead, then can you have the rest of the body work? No, you can't. So it is a source of life as well. It is a center of aql, of intellect, of ilm, of knowledge, of bravery, 
of patience, of forgiveness. You know, all of these emotions and feelings, where are they from? Your heart. This is why when you're scared, then what happens to your heart? What happens? It starts to pump so fast. Right? You can feel it. When you love something, you can feel that in your heart. When you're sad, you can feel that in your heart. Do you feel like that? Do you ever experience that? I remember a child once told someone that, he mentioned that, you know, I feel so hurt that I ache over here. It hurts me here. A child saying something like that, that I, it aches here. Like I feel hurt. So this is a reality that the heart, it controls the body and it is also the center of all our forces. All our forces. And if you think about it, the eye, whatever it sees, it conveys it where? To the brain, the heart. The ears, whatever they listen, that's also connected. Isn't it so? The tongue, it delivers what's in the heart. Your hands do what the heart orders. Your feet take you where the heart tells you to go. Isn't that so? So this is why, is it important to fix the heart? Is it important to fix the heart then? Yes, because it's the king. If the king is good, then will the whole country be good? Will the whole country be good? Yes. And if the king is bad, then what will happen to the rest of the country? What will happen? It will be doomed. This is why the Prophet ﷺ said that Ala inna fil jasadi mudrah that there is a piece of flesh in the body. If it is salihat, if it is good, if it is right, then the entire body will be good. And if it is corrupt, then the entire body will be corrupt. And what is that mudra? It is the qalb. It is the heart. Abu Hurairah anhu, he said, Al-qalb malik. The heart is the king. Wal-a'da'u junuduhu. And the limbs of the body are its armies. Fa'in ta'ba malik, if the king is good, ta'ba junuduhu. Then the armies will be good. Wa'in khabuthat malik, and if the king is bad, khabuthat junuduhu. Then the armies will be bad. So this is why it is so important to fix what? The heart. What do we focus on? We want to fix everything from our hair to our eyebrows to our eye color to the shape of our nose to the color of the glass that we're wearing on our lips to the kind of hijab pin we're wearing to the kind of clothes. Everything we want to fix. Isn't it? I'm not saying that's not important. It is important. But what is most important? The heart. Yes. Exactly. That the brain also depends on the heart. Isn't it that whatever kind of feelings you have, that's how you start thinking? That if you have good feelings about someone, then what will you think about them? What will you think about them? Good. What will you say about them? Good. What will you remember about them? Good. What will you recall and try to never forget about them? Good. And if you have bad feelings about someone, then something that happened 20 years ago will come back. Your brain will bring it back. It will pull it out of those old dusty files. It will pull it out. So even the brain is under the heart. The heart is at the top. It's the king. It rules in every sense. So if the heart is fixed, then the person is successful. And if the heart is ignored, it is neglected, it is corrupt, it is filthy, it is dirty, then the entire person is doomed. The day every soul will find. Yawma. Meaning what Prophet ﷺ mentioned the day, that day when tajidu it will find. Who will find? Kullu nafsin, every person. Tajidu is from the root letters, Wajim dal, wajada, to find, to discover. So he will find who? Every soul. What will he find? What will he or she find? Ma amilat. Whatever it did, whatever it performed, it will find ma amilat. Who is every soul referring to? Us. We. Human beings and the jinn. 
those who are obligated to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the sense that those who are mukallaf. Okay, mukallaf meaning the one who has been burdened with the responsibility. What responsibility? To do good, to obey Allah, to worship Allah. And if they obey, if they worship, they will be rewarded. And if they don't, they disobey, they do shirk, then they will be punished. Like for example, something is hidden in a drawer, I take it out and put it right here. So it will be muhbar, presented. How is it presented? That I'm making it visible so that all of you can see it. Now the deeds that we perform, where are they? Something that you did a minute ago, something that you did yesterday, where is it? It's recorded. Where is it recorded? In the book of deeds. So right now it is recorded in the book of deeds. On the day of judgment it will not remain hidden in the book. What will happen? It will come out of the book presented. You know how sometimes there is a piece of document. Let's say it was your results from your high school. Let's say they weren't that great. You want to get rid of it. You want to shred that document. But you have to keep it. Because if you want to go to school, whatever, you have to show that document, right? So where do you put it? In a file, somewhere in a drawer. You don't want to look at it. It depresses you. You don't want to see it. It reminds you of, you know, bad thoughts, whatever. You don't want to look at it. It's hidden. But on the Day of Judgment, even the things that we don't like will be presented. The things we like and the things we do not like. Good memories and bad memories. Accomplishments as well as failures. Something that you're proud of and something you regret so much. Muhdara, it will be presented, brought in front of you. Muhdara. How will it be muhdara? That Allah will cause everything that a person did to be presented before Him. How? By His qawl first of all. That Allah will say it. Allah will ask a person, did you do such and such? So will it become muhdab by Allah's asking the person? Will it be presented? It's like somebody reminds you, you know, 10 years later, remember you failed in your chemistry exam? Everybody finds out. Your husband, your younger brother, they had no idea, they thought you were so smart. The document is hidden, but because they mentioned it, has it become known? Yes. So on the Day of Judgment, Allah will ask you and I, you did such and such? You said this? You failed in this? You ignored this? You didn't do this? Muhbara, it will become visible then. It will become known then. Or it will become muhbara how? Through the angels of Allah. Through the angels. How? That the angels will bring the record. They will have the record with them. An angel will come as a shaheed, as a witness for a person. Whether he gives a testimony of something good that a person did or something bad that a person did. But through the angels, the deeds of a person will be made manifest. How else will they become manifest? That the deeds will be given physical form on the Day of Judgment. Deeds will be given physical form on the Day of Judgment. Can you think of some deeds that will be given physical form on that day? That the person who recites again and again Surah Al-Baqarah and Surah Ali Imran, these two surahs will come on the Day of Judgment in the form of clouds, shades, or in the form of birds, you know, shading the person. They will come and argue, basically intercede for the person. So a physical form that a person who hoards his wealth the obligatory zakat, he does not give from it, then that gold and silver, all that wealth, will be melted and it will be put on the person's back and his forehead and his side, meaning he'll be punished with hot plates of metal. It's a physical form. A piece of, you know, some property that a person has stolen that does not belong to him will come in a physical form and trample a person. The wealth from which a person does not give zakat, you know, it will be like a snake 
wrapped around a person's neck, biting him on his face, so that a person cannot even escape. The animals on which a person does not give zakat, they will trample him. We have learnt about the people who deal with interest, how their stomachs will be full of snakes. Imagine. A person who does wudu, who performs good wudu, then what will happen on the Day of Judgment? His limbs will be bright, they will glow. His face, his arms, his feet, they will glow. The person who memorizes the Qur'an, then his parents will be given a crown to wear on that day. So deeds will be given a physical form. Women who don't dress appropriately, that they're dressed up, yet they are naked. Then on that day what will happen? They will be distanced from Jannah. Right? So in their physical location, those who refuse to pray, they will be raised with Fir'aun, Haman. With them, imagine, being next to Fir'aun. Why? Because a person refuses to pray. He says, yeah, I believe in Allah, but I don't care. I don't want to pray. I know it's time to pray, but I'm not of those people who pray. So, what do we see here? That everything that a person has done will be muhbar. That Allah will mention, the angels will witness, the record will be presented, the deeds will be given a physical form. Likewise, the punishment or the reward that a person will be given on the Day of Judgment, that will be also a manifestation of the action that a person has done. So, muhtara. وَمَا عَمِلَتْ مِنْ And whatever a person has done of evil, look at the justice of Allah. Good will be presented and evil will be presented. We may have forgotten, we may try to ignore the reality, but everything good and evil will be presented on that day. The believer, yes, Allah will question him, Allah will remind him of the deeds that he performed, but Allah will still not humiliate him so that his sins will not be exposed before everybody. Allah will say to him after questioning him that I concealed your sins for you in the world and today I forgive you for them. So, وَمَا عَمِلَتْ مِنْ سُوءٍ Every evil will also be presented. This is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ خَيْرًا يَرَهُ and شَرًا يَرَهُ Even if it's an atom's weight of good, a person will see it. Atom's weight of evil, a person will see it. In Surah Al-Kahf, Ayah 49, Allah says, وَوُضِعَ الْكِتَابَ فَتَرَ الْمُجْرِمِينَ مُشْفِقِينَ مِمَّا فِيهِ that the book will be presented, the record will be laid open, and you will see the criminals afraid, frightened of what? Of what is in the book. وَيَقُولُونَ And they will say, يَا وَيْلَتَنَا مَالِي هَذَا الْكِتَابِ They will say, oh, what to us? What is with this book? لَا يُغَادِرُ الصَّغِيرَةً وَلَا كَبِيرَةً إِلَّا أَحْصَاهَا That this book does not leave anything small or big except that it has listed it. Everything small, big we have done, it is written in this book. It will be presented on the Day of Judgment. Do you remember everything you've done? Do you remember? No. We do wrong things and we forget. We do good things. Do we forget them? Usually we don't. Right? We forget our mistakes, but we always remember our accomplishments. It's a good thing. You should remember but we should also remember our mistakes, our sins. Because as long as we remember, we will seek forgiveness from Allah. And the moment we forget, we will belittle them, we will ignore them, and we won't seek forgiveness for them. So everything will be presented. Allah says in Surah Al-Takweer, Ayah 10, وَإِلَى الصُّحْفُ نُشِّرَتْ And when the scrolls will be made public, when the pages will be laid out, open, to be viewed, in Surah Al-Qiyamah, Ayah 13, Allah says, يُنَبَّوُ الْإِنسَانُ يَوْمَئِذٍ بِمَا قَدَّمَ وَأَخَّرُ On that day, a person will be informed of what he sent ahead and what he left behind. Meaning the things that he accomplished in his life and the things that were done after him because of what he started. Even though he died, but those actions continued. Why? Because he started. So he'll be punished or rewarded for that even. قَدَّمَ وَأَخَرُ also means what he did early and what he delayed. There are some things that we do and other things that we keep delaying, keep delaying. So a person will be informed of all his deeds, good and evil. Just this morning I was thinking about this verse and I was trying to imagine, visualize. 
that if there was a pie chart of my life, of the actions that I've done, three kinds of actions, good, bad, and useless. I mean, they're neither good nor bad. Then how big would the pieces be? What kind of a pie chart would it be? Think about it. I want you to imagine yourself as well. How big is the gray area which means nothing? Just time wasted. It's neither good that a person will be rewarded for it, nor is it bad that a person will be punished for it. And the things that a person has accomplished and the things that a person should not have done. What kind of a chart do we have? Think about it. And I felt that the gray area was too big. That perhaps I've wasted a lot of my life, a lot of my time. And a very easy way to analyze that is that at the end of 24 hours, ask yourself, how many hours were spent in doing something good, something for which I hope Allah will reward me, and how much time was spent, how many hours were spent doing something that I'm afraid Allah might question me about, Allah may punish me for, and how much time is like, you know, nothing, meaningless. So ask yourself, at the end of 24 hours, where do we stand Useless actions like, for example, you are just sitting with people, doing nothing. Staring at the television and switching channels or just swiping your phone and then turning it off and then again opening it and turning it off. And then just walking to check what somebody is doing and then walking back, you know, to see if the kettle is okay and then going down the stairs and going up the stairs and just looking out the window. Sitting in the car, just waiting. Sitting in the bus, just waiting for the bus to stop. Mouth is shut. Your eyes are just looking outside. You're thinking about what you saw in the store. You're thinking about what you should write on Facebook. Sleeping. You could have slept for six, seven, maximum eight hours, but we sleep nine hours, ten hours. We wake up and we're groggy and we're taking our time, getting up, brushing our teeth. Yes, brushing teeth is important, but then we're just sitting there thinking this toothpaste or that one. And then complaining about, I don't like Aquafresh, I like Colgate, or whatever. Right? Making a big deal out of it. Wasting time. This is the gray area. Majority of our lives, majority of our time, most part is spent in what? This gray area. While I was in Pakistan, I attended some classes at Al-Huda that were based on the book, Mera Jina Mera Marna. It's a book in Urdu, which is why I had to say it in Urdu. It means my living and my dying. And... That book talks about how to live a good life and how to die in a good way as well. In the sense that when you're alive, when you're living, what are the things that you should do? You know, your physical health, your spiritual health, your mental health, well-being. How should you live so that Allah is happy with you? It should be according to the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. And when a person dies, then what should be done? That even his death, his burial, his... You know, bathing, his, uh, everything is done in the proper way. And every time the class would begin, at the beginning, the verse in the Qur'an, which is, قُلْ إِنَّ صَلَاتِي وَنُسُكِي وَمَحْيَايَ وَمَمَاتِ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ would be recited. That say, إِنَّ صَلَاتِي وَنُسُكِي My prayer, my sacrifice, my life and my death, all of this is for Allah, the Lord of the worlds. I dedicate all of this to Allah. Because our life is the most precious possession that we have, isn't it? It's the most precious, valuable possession that you have. And what should you give to the one whom you love the most? The one who created you? The one who favored on you the most? Your life. You should dedicate it to Him. So when you're dedicating your life to Him, then what kind of a life should it be? Something that's full of gray area? Something that's full of these shoes or those shoes? Complaints? Yeah? Wasting time? No. And for that, you have to look at the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. That how did he live? How did he wake up? How did he sleep? How did he eat? How did he dress up? How did he speak? How did he clean himself? How did he brush his teeth? How did he do what he did so that we can follow him so that even the things that seem to be meaningless can become meaningful? Because on the Day of Judgment, everything will be presented. And when your life will be presented before you, then what will happen? The what do? It will wish. Well, dal dal. It will wish. And wood is khalisul mahabba, mahabba shadida, extreme love and yearning and desire for something min kulli qalb from all your heart. 
So tawaddu, it will wish, mean the person will wish, law anna baynaha, if only between it, wa baynahu, and between it, baynaha. The ha refers to the person, and baynahu, who refers to the actions of a person. So the person will wish if there would be between him and his actions, amadan ba'ida, amadan ba'ida. A long distance, a never-ending distance. Amad is from the root letters Hamza Mim Dal, and Amad is used for an extremely lengthy distance. Extremely lengthy distance. It's basically used for a long distance between two points, so that the point that you're trying to reach, it comes after a very long time. For example, if you're traveling all the way from here to Pakistan, then what's going to happen? It's going to be a 14 and a half hours flight. And that's the shortest that you can find. So you have to wait and wait and wait and wait for that distance to be covered. So this is what? Amad Barida. When you're waiting for so long, that means that destination, that point is very far from you. So a person will wish that his sins are far removed from him. Barid, far away from him. He will wish that his deeds are not presented. He will wish that his deeds are not mentioned. That the record is not there. That the sins he committed don't come in front of him. Does that happen in this world? That something wrong that we have done and it is recorded, you don't even want to see it? You just want to put it away, shred it, destroy that document? You want to do that? Amadan ba'idha. A person will not want to see it. وَيُحَذِّرُكُمُ اللَّهُ نَفْسَ And Allah warns you against Himself. يُحَذِّرُ from هَذَا الْغَاءِ What does حِذْر mean? Fear that makes you cautious. So Allah cautions you against Himself. That fear Him. Have fear of Allah. وَيُحَذِّرُكُمُ اللَّهُ نَفْسَهُ Himself. Meaning Allah warns you against Himself. That fear Him. Be careful. Because He can question you and punish you. He knows what you're doing. You cannot run away from Him. But at the same time, وَاللَّهُ رَؤُوفٌ بِالْعِبَادِ Allah is most compassionate with the servants. Ibad is a plural of abd. Look at the balance here. Fear Allah. And at the same time, Allah is very compassionate towards the servants. What do we remember generally? That Allah will forgive me. Allah loves me. Yes, we hope that. But at the same time, we should remember that Allah wants us to fear Him as well. The question is that if a person has done something wrong and he seeks forgiveness from Allah, then will those sins be presented as well? First of all, when a person seeks forgiveness, it's up to Allah to forgive. There's no guarantee. Secondly, if a person has done tawbah, right? I completely repented from a sin. A hadith tells us that at-ta'ibu min al-dhambi The one who repents from a sin is like the one who has not even committed that sin. So it's as if that's not there. How? That Allah will ask him, did you do such and such? But Allah will ask him privately. Allah will draw that person very close to himself. So it's a very private conversation that no third person can hear. No one can hear. And Allah will ask the person, you did this? You did this wrong thing? And a person will say, yes. Allah will ask him and the person will think, that's it, I'm done. And then Allah will say to him that I conceal those sins for you in the world and today I forgive them for you. So they will be wiped off, removed, forgiven completely. But for that, we have to keep seeking forgiveness. We have to do tawbah. So, وَيُحَذِّرُكُمُ اللَّهُ نَفْسَهُ وَاللَّهُ رَؤُوفٌ بِالْعِبَادِ Listen to the recitation and reflect. يَوْمَ تَجِدُ كُلُّ نَفْسٍ مَا عَمِلَتْ مِنْ خَيْرٍ مُحْضَرًا وَمَا عَمِلَتْ مِنْ سُوءٍ تَوَدُّ لَوْ أَنَّ بَيْنَهَا وَبَيْنَهُ أَمَدًا بَعِيدًا وَيُحَذِّرُكُمُ اللَّهُ نَفْسًا وَاللَّهُ رَؤُوفٌ بِالْعِبَادِ What are you thinking? If there's something bad, something dirty, would you like it to be right next to you? Right before you? No. If there's something bad, you want to be far away from it. Let's say you hate bright yellow grocery bags. Okay? 
And every time your mom has to take something somewhere, she has to put it in those bags. Okay? And you don't like them. You're embarrassed. She sends your lunch in that bag to school with you. For example. Or your gym clothes, you know, they're in that bag and you have to take them to school and open that bag and you're like, come on. If you're embarrassed of holding such a bag, what do you do? You throw it away. Isn't it? Or you tell your brother, you hold it. Or you leave it in the car. Or even though your mom gave you the lunch, you don't take the lunch. Why? Because you don't like that bag. It's only a bag. If you find out that somebody has a really, really bad viral infection, then what do you do? You don't go to their house. You don't go near them. Somebody's coughing and sneezing, their face is red. You want to greet them, but you try to ignore them because you're like, if I hug them, if I meet them, they're going to hug me. And if I hug them, then I'm going to catch their infection. Something that is evil, we want to be far away from it. Sins are bad. They're evil. They're dirty. Which is why when a person lies, then what happens? Such a foul smell comes from the mouth of a person that the angels, they go away. Sins are foul. They're evil. And this is the reason why on the Day of Judgment, when a person's sins will be presented for him, what will he wish? That they be removed far away from him. But Allah has taught us a beautiful dua that we should say right now so that the sins that we commit are distanced from us. Do you know that dua? Allahumma ba'id bayni wa bayna khatayaya kama ba'adta bayna al-mashriqi wal-maghrib That O oh Allah create a distance between me and my sins just as you have created a distance between the east and the west. You know, if you've done something wrong or something that you're not happy about and you leave it, you don't do that anymore and you move on, you move on. Let's say there was a school or there was a house, there was a place, you move on from it and you don't want to go back. You move on, you want to leave it behind. So this is why we should make dua right now. That oh Allah create a distance between me and my sins. And this dua the Prophet ﷺ used to recite when in the salah at the beginning upon saying Allahu Akbar. But we say, oh, it's too long. Memorize a shorter dua. A different dua that's shorter. And even if we know this dua, we become lazy. Too long. It's okay. I said this earlier. I've said this once before. No, say it again and again. Because if the sins are not distant today, then tomorrow they'll be attached to us. You want to get rid of them? Pray now. Allahumma ba'id bayni wa bayna khatayaya kama ba'atta bayna al-mashriqi wal-maghrib And you can find this dua in any book of salah inshaAllah. You know, the fact that it's mentioned in the ayah that tawaddu, that a person will wish, he will love, that he will yearn that his sins are removed far away from him. What does it show? That on the day of judgment we will be fully conscious and alert. What do we think? That we'll be dead. You know, maybe our souls will be experiencing something, but, you know, we won't be experiencing anything. But the reality is that we will be fully conscious and alert. So take that day seriously. It's not going to be a dream. It will be a reality.